This is Focal Point for Tuesday the 16th of August 2011, setting up a home office. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira for this week's edition. Hello Chris, how are you going? Well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? I'm uh, very happy sitting in my home office and uh, looking out the window. It looks like it's going to be maybe a bit of sun a little bit later on. I've already been out and done my exercise. How about you? Yeah, likewise. I'm sitting in my home office, not in your home office, and uh, I haven't done any exercise other than walking up the stairs to get to my home office. You're getting fat, Chris. Uh, eventually. I'm, I'm hoping to get fat one day. You're hoping so. Goal. Yes, people who don't know my friend Chris will know that he's got a hollow leg. He can eat anything he likes, and we're all jealous. <laughs> so today we're talking about working from a home office, and uh, this is this is based on the the book that we're writing, uh, Out of Office. And one of the things we talk about is is working from home. Uh, it, the book's not only about working from home, but part of it is about working from home. And um, you and I, Chris, we both work from home. You as an e-worker, and I'm a digital nomad. So perhaps we should define those terms. An e-worker is a full-time telecommuter, as opposed to the term that we've introduced called semi-commuter, who works a couple of days from home and a couple of days at the office each week. And I'm a digital nomad, which means that I don't need to have a particular uh, place to work from. And I do have a home office, which I use a reasonable amount of the time, but I also work away from home quite a bit. But Chris, because you're a full-time um, telecommuter or an e-worker, you've got a home office. And today we'll talk about how you set up your home office, how it's working for you, and also, particularly for the people who are interested in making this transition to a home office, how do you get from moving from uh, working from an office into a home office? So, are you ready, Chris? Yeah, let's roll. Okay, so we'll do this as an interview with me asking most of the questions, and I might add my little bits and pieces here and there, but you're the one who's done most of the work in this area. So let's start with the current setup that you've got. So in your home office at the moment, can you describe how it's currently set up? Sure. Well, the home office I have now is uh, in a dedicated spare room, and it's upstairs away from the main living spaces in the rest of the house. And since I've been doing this, it's, it's more than 10 years now, um, We've lived in several different houses, and in each case, uh, the home office that I've set up has always been in a separate room. So whether it's been a spare room that's been converted to uh, a home office or a dedicated study, it's always been set up that way, such that where I'm working, my home office is away. It's separated from the rest of the living spaces in the house. And in the home office itself, it's it's fairly straightforward. I've got uh, a comfortable ergonomic office chair, just like you would have at your own office. I feel that if I'm going to be doing this full time, I want to have a, a nice ergonomic setup. So I've got a good office chair, uh, a proper computer desk that's uh, got all the bits and pieces uh, attached to it. I've got a good large monitor so that you know, I'm not having eye strain and those sorts of things. And then all the other things that you'd need in an office, bookcases for storing the various books that I've got, uh, some filing cabinets and, and those sorts of things as well. Yeah, and you said that it's a spare room, so it's actually connected to the house, isn't it? Exactly. It's not a, a, separate, a separate building or anything like that. It's just part of the house, uh, a, a spare room that could eventually be a bedroom if, we, if I retire early or young, perhaps. Uh, but Too that's late for that. Well. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, sorry, sorry for interrupting, but uh, like a, a mutual friend, Kathleen, uh, her house has a, has an outdoor room which they use as their home office, and that, that, that's kind of separated. So it is actually physically distanced. You have to walk out the front door and into their into their outdoor home office, whereas yours has always been connected to the, to part of your house. 
That's right. So mine's a more standard arrangement. Not many people would have a, a home where they've got a separate a separate building in which they could uh, set up their home office. But that would probably be, be even better. I'm not sure what Kathleen thinks about it. It might just be a matter of the way their home is set up and and, the, and where she has to set up her home office. But that would be good because you've got that physical separation. It's even more physically separated than just having a separate room, which is what I've got. Yeah, no, in fact, that separation question is an important one. So what do you normally do at home, uh, both when you're alone and, and when you have your family around? Do you actually close the door on your office? Yeah, I do, I do. And um, Cherie and Lauren, my, my wife and daughter, they both, They've both been instructed uh, that uh, when I'm at work, I'm at work and, and shouldn't be disturbed. That doesn't mean that uh, occasionally Lauren doesn't come up, doesn't, isn't allowed to come up and see me. She does every now and then, and I sometimes open the door and go downstairs and visit them. I've got that kind of flexibility, but by and large, when I'm at work, I'm not getting disturbed. Yeah, and that's that's important, is it, that, that you've got those rules set up, and they can be broken um, under exceptional circumstances, but it's like 80%, 90% of the time, that's the rule. Precisely. Yeah, no, look, that's what you've got to set up now. It sounds great. If you think about when you, before you started telecommuting, and I know you've actually done, worked from a home office in a number of different places, but if you can cast your mind even before that, when you were working in an office, how does that compare to what you've got now? What do you, what do you like about your work style now, um, compared to the way when you were working in an office with, presumably with other people? Yeah, well, that was a long time ago, Gihan, so it's a bit of a stretch to remember that far back. It's more than 10 years, but it was a fairly standard arrangement. I shared an office with another colleague. It was a pretty small and cramped accommodation. Uh, and, you know, it, it was just me and Neil in this in this one office that uh, we had a standard kind of desk and, and monitors and the computer equipment that we needed. Um, and I guess that's the sort of thing that most people are used to. Either they're in a set of cubicles in a in an open plan office or in a small office with a few others. But compared with that, what I really like about uh, the, the setup that I have now with a home office is that I can set it up how I please. I can arrange the furniture to suit me best. If I want to have uh, my desk over near a window, I can. I don't have to worry about uh, where other people have things or where I've been put, as you would in a standard office. And I can choose the equipment and furniture that, that I want and that I need rather than making do with what's provided. And I'm not sharing. That's that's the main thing. I don't have to worry about uh, distractions like uh, when I used to work in an office with another guy uh, if if he was on the phone or if someone was coming in to visit him and have a meeting with him, then that, that was a distraction to me, no matter how mindful he was. And I'm not saying he, he distracted me uh, excessively. There was there were those minor distractions uh, based on the activities of, of another person. And similarly, I didn't have to be mindful of uh, not distracting my colleagues. So if I was on a phone call or someone was coming to visit me, um, I had to be a little bit careful not to disrupt them. Uh, but now... I've got my own office. There's no worries about other people distracting me or me distracting others. I can swear as much at my computer as I like, not wear deodorant. I can be as carefree and selfish as I like. And that's good. That's, you know, I don't have to worry about that. That's one less thing I've got to bother about. Not wearing deodorant. I thought you were going to say not wearing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this sounds like some benefits. What about some, is there anything that you miss? Is there, are there any disadvantages or things that you, that you had in that, in that environment that you don't have now? Well, other than sort of the, the degradation in my personal hygiene and deportment, <laughs> the primary the primary disadvantage is not having face-to-face contact with my colleagues. So most of the people that I work with are in the UK and the Europe, so, and in Europe. So 
you know, they're, they're physically separate from me both in space and in time. There's a, a seven or eight hour time difference between their working hours and mine. So all of my dealings with them are either by email or phone, except on the very few occasions, once or twice uh, every couple of years when I actually visit uh, some of my colleagues in the UK. So while I can carry on immediate or deferred communication with them, so immediate by telephone or deferred by, by email, there, there are some times when it would be best if I could just pop into someone else's office and sort something out with them face to face. But that's an option I no longer have. All of my email, uh, sorry, all of my communication and dealings with them has to be by something like email or phone. And the other thing is that I miss the social component uh, of not by not having face-to-face contact with my colleagues. So, you know, they were a good bunch of people that I worked with and, and still work with, uh, but I, I can't socialise with them to the extent that I would be able to if I worked with them uh, face-to-face on a daily basis. So, you know, there were no obnoxious people in that group, so there's no benefits, well, other than myself, obviously. <laughs> um, so there are, there are no benefits to, to being away from them on a social basis. So how much of that was true even when you were there? So you said you had an office with, with your colleague, Neil, uh, but I presume there are other people in, the, in that building as well, but did you still have to do a lot of email and phone communication with other people throughout the UK and Europe, or was it mostly... Um, most of the people that you dealt with, you could have, you could deal with them face to face because you happened to be in the same office. That's right. In in those days, the organisation was a bit smaller, and so it was mostly people on site that I worked with. And in, in some cases, they were located in the same building with me upstairs. So it was just a matter of nipping upstairs if I wanted to to have a chat with them, or them coming downstairs to see me. So there was far less that was um, conducted by email or, or by phone, or I'd have lunch with them. So, you know, things could be deferred at least until seeing them at lunchtime and having a chat about things over, over a sandwich. What about your colleagues now? So you said that that was the case then. Your colleagues in that office now, do they still have to do, uh, or do they now have to do a lot more remote communication? Yeah, they would do because uh, the, the, of the, the global nature of the organisation and, and dealing with me as well. Yeah. yeah, right, okay, so it's not only the fact that it's, ho- that it's a home office, it's just that the, the organisation's become more global and that remote communication is just a, just a way of life now. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So coming back to your, like your situation, Chris, you've got a home office now in the home that you built, and we'll come back to that a little bit later, but I know that's not the only place where you've, where you've had a home office. Do you want to describe that the various home offices you have, that you've had and the circumstances around them? And you know, like you mentioned, Cherie and Lauren and the times that they come in and out. And how, does that, how has that changed over the years? Like you've probably been doing this for more than a decade. That's right. Yeah, I have. So initially, uh, when we first started, it was just Cherie and myself. But Cherie was working full time, so she would head off to work each day in an, in an office in the city. Uh, and that would leave me to myself at home in the home office. And in that house, again, the the home office that I'd set up was in a spare room. So in those days, it was really easy. I didn't have to worry about interruptions from Cherie because she would be at work in the city and I'd have the house to myself. So that was that was really easy. Then around in, in 2004, our daughter Lauren was born. So Cherie gave up work for a few years and, and Lauren arrived. So the house was suddenly full of activity and noise. So... I had to be a little bit more um, proactive in managing how my productivity. So, you know, if uh, th- there was a real temptation to be distracted because we had a brand new baby, and it was really tempting for me to uh, j- walk out of the office and uh, spend some time with Lauren, or you know, wake Sheree up and tell her to make Lauren be quiet. Those sorts of things. 
But how, how did you handle that? How do you handle those sort of distractions of having a newborn baby, both distracting from work and also tempting you to spend more time with her? That meant I had to be more disciplined. So I guess it's, it's the same as whether you're in a, an office where there are distractions in a standard office or when you're in a home office, there are distractions from around the home. And so I just had to be a bit more disciplined. I had to say, these are my working hours. I've shut the door. And if I want to spend time with Lauren, there are times of the day when I know, when I can set aside time to do that myself. So in the evenings or maybe on, on, a, on a, an extended lunch break, because one of the benefits of working from home is that I have the flexibility of, uh, my, of arranging my working hours as, as suits me. And so I could set aside times where I would spend time with Lauren and Cherie. Right, but you didn't change your working hours too much, so you're still basically working 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, rather than working around Lauren's schedule or Cherie and Lauren's schedule. Precisely, that, that's right. Okay. So I could just adjust those, I could tweak those to, to get the benefits of working from home and spending time with Lauren. Great. So more recently, uh, Lauren's uh, grown up and now she's uh, a full-time primary school student. So... She heads off to school each each morning, and uh, Sheree has returned to work part-time. So it's moving back towards the arrangement I had uh, when I first started working from home in that I've got a lot of time to myself where distractions from, from other members of the household have been reduced again. So it's, it's become a lot easier to manage my productivity in that way. And when you said Lauren heads off to school each day, do you take her to school or do you, do you drop her off? Uh, because I guess that's one of the flexibilities you have when you're working from home. Exactly. So a couple of days a week, I take Lauren to school in the mornings. Uh, those are, those are the, the days that Cherie goes off to work part-time and pick Lauren up after school and take her to gym one afternoon a week. So I sort of have a half day in the middle of the week. Yeah, and that is one of the things that you can do because you're, because you're working from home. Yeah, that's right. And the other thing I like to do is I like to start relatively early. So I work a fairly long day, 8.30 till 6, and then I take a big break in the middle of uh, the day. So doing things like uh, working on my blog or on visualization or working on the the manuscript of the book that we're putting together, Gihan, Um, by having a long lunch break, I can do things that, uh, that please me. Okay, so that's interesting because you say you start you, you start work relatively early, which actually is probably not uh, so you get actually less time overlapping with your cli- with your colleagues in the UK because if you start work late that would have you'd have more hours overlapping, but you, you, that doesn't seem to be a problem for you. That's right. So my overlap is in the afternoon. So if there are times when we need to have meetings, then they tend to be organised early-ish in their day and late-ish in my afternoon. So there's still sufficient overlap to, to, to accommodate meetings on uh, immediate communication. Okay, okay. So as you, as you went through this transition, Chris, like moving to home office and all these different circumstances along the way, do, were there any things that surprised you, things that caught you off guard or things that you didn't expect or even pleasant surprises, things that you found were easier than expected? Yeah, the most of them were pleasant surprises. In fact, all of them, Gihan. So uh, the first thing was just how easy it was to overcome technical obstacles. So considering that I set this up 10 years ago, or we set this up, it wasn't down to me entirely, 10 years ago when the technology, uh, internet technology, was far more rudimentary than what we have now, it just it wasn't hard. We were we were a little apprehensive, my, my manager and I, about whether it would actually work. And it was only going it was only started on a six month trial basis to see whether it would actually work. And we were a little concerned about some of the the technical issues, but they were a breeze. It wasn't difficult at all. 
And the other thing was I was surprised about the improvement in my productivity, just how far fewer interruptions that you get when you're working on your own in a home office. And you're not invited to so many meetings. Meetings tend to be a productivity killer and you're just not invited to as many and you get far greater productivity as a consequence. And then the other pleasant surprise was the flexibility that I referred to before. I've got flexibility in how I arrange my working day, and that uh, has uh, tremendous benefits in terms of what it allows me to do with Lauren and with Cherie and, you know, indulging my own uh, hobbies and that sort of thing as well. It's fantastic. It's actually it's an interesting comment you made about not being invited to meetings and you don't feel left out, but it obviously means that those meetings that you kept getting invited to Maybe they were, you just invited because people just caught you around and when you're not around, they, they actually make a, a sensible decision about who should attend. I think so because it's a little harder to invite me to a meeting because of the fact that it has to be a teleconference and because uh, of the overlap in hours. Then a little more thought goes into whether the meeting is needed or whether I need to be there and, and so it happens less often and it's more important meetings that I do get invited to. Yeah, another another mutual friend of ours, Maureen, Chris, who works in IT in Sydney, she said that if she was if she was even contemplating the idea of working from home some of the time, uh, and she wouldn't do it full time, but she said that the days that she would choose would be Friday because on Friday she's only got to attend two meetings. <laughs> and, uh, and I think this, that's just the case in corporate life now that people are just, especially at a managerial level, at a senior level, you spend all your all your day in meetings. You spend all your day sitting around a conference room table, and and I think you made a really good point that maybe many of those meetings aren't necessary for you to attend, and you can get by without attending them. Yeah, yep, we do it by email or or other deferred communication styles. Yeah, great. Great, and I'd love to see more of that in the workplace because meetings and email seem to be two of the biggest things that, that eat up time. Uh, coming back to something else you said, you talked about the technology and you're surprised how easy it was to um, sort out the technology and manage the technology. Now, this is, this is in 2000 or 2001 when you first started doing this, so the technology presumably wasn't anywhere near as sophisticated as it is now. Exactly. Back in 2000, uh, I started with a dial-up modem. I didn't have broadband. It wasn't until 2003 that uh, I got a broadband connection. So for over two years, all of my um, internet connections to work were handled through a dial-up modem. And, and thinking back, I kind of, I'm, I'm still a bit amazed that uh, it happened. But Primarily, uh, the connections uh, to the UK and Europe were for sending and receiving email with occasional file uploads and downloads. And so, you know, dial-up was sufficient. And since then, uh, I've got broadband, and so now I can use what's called a VPN, and that means I can be connected full-time to to work's intranet, and it's done securely and it's authenticated um, because I have broadband and we've got the bandwidth to run what's called a VPN, a virtual private network. So the technology is improved. That means I've got improved connectivity to, to online resources on the work intranet. And Wi-Fi has become commonplace as well. And although I do have a Wi-Fi network at home, which means I can connect to, uh, to the internet from anywhere at home, I tend to just stick to working from my home office and don't make use of uh, Wi-Fi that, that much. That's an interesting comment that, that the last one that you made, Chris, about using Wi-Fi. So you, presumably you got your you got a wireless router connected to your broadband, so it's not a separate account, is it? 
Exactly, that's right. So uh, one person who does use it is Cherie. So she occasionally works from home and uh, she uses that Wi-Fi connection to, uh, to connect to her office intranet. So I'm curious that you don't use it more, like just taking your taking a laptop and working around in other parts of the house or working out of the balcony or working in the back garden. Is that something that you, you're you not tempted to do? Not really. If I want to you know, work on the balcony or somewhere else like that, I usually do it on my lunch break when I'm not doing work. So I'm you know, more than happy to do all of my work in my home office using the desktop PC connected to uh, the my, my uh, wired connection. And when the weather's nice, it's not at the moment, but when the weather is nice, then if I want to sit out in the backyard and connect to the internet, I can using the Wi-Fi network, but that's not doing work stuff. I could, but I just have, I'm happy to partition uh, my work that way. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest benefits of the way you're doing it, Chris, that mentally you're doing your work in your office, and when you're outside your office, you, you can switch off and not do work, which I think that's one of the biggest problems that people have when they work from home is being able to switch off. It's not a case that they get distracted because they want to go out for coffee and do the laundry instead of working. It seems to be the other way around, that people are spending so much time at home that they just can't stop thinking about work. Yeah, yeah, I guess maybe I don't have... I've that, this helps me with a bit of mental discipline. Some people could perhaps do do what you're talking about, where they can work from anywhere in the house and they can, uh, you know, mix and match their hours when they when they do their work. And perhaps you work a, a little more like that, Gihan. But I can't. I, I I find that if I make all my work happen in my workplace, my home office, and everything else outside, then that just helps with mental discipline. Great, great. And I think it's it's different things for different folks, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So just on a more prosaic level, what about things, uh, what about the costs and expenses? How much does it cost you to run a home office? And do you pay for it all or does your employer pay for some of it? Um, how does that work? We share the costs. So um, I've got a broadband connection, as I mentioned earlier, but that's only about $40 a month. But work picks up the bill for that, which is nice. But even if they didn't, as I say, it's only 40 bucks a month. Um, and then the hardware that I've got, some of that is my own, and I change my PC every three to five years as it gets out of warranty and starts to get a bit, a bit underpowered and, under, and unreliable. Even then, the costs are depreciable or tax deductible, so it's not a huge cost. Then there are other bits of hardware, specialist hardware, that, that work provides. What, the other... like, like a spy satellite? <laughs> if only. <laughs> Spy on them. <laughs> it's a special hardware. That sounds intriguing. Maybe I shouldn't ask. <laughs> no, it's just things like servers for 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 uh, the, the software development that I do. Right. And um, and then the other cost that is is a kind of hidden cost because I'm at home more often using electricity, water, and gas. Then those utility bills are higher, and obviously I pick those. We we pay for those sorts of bills. Um, but again, there are only marginal increases in costs there. Yeah, and I think that you referred me to a report, Chris, uh, a while ago about the cost of telecommuting. And of course, like you haven't got the option to drive to an office because your office there is, there is no local office. But there was some report that said in the US, the average full-time telecommuter saves half their basically they save half their costs uh, or they pay twice as much if you're if you're commuting every day because of the cost of running a car and petrol and all of those sort of things uh, and they far outweigh the, the marginally higher costs of things like electricity water and gas yeah that's right so in Cherie's circumstances fortunately for her she can use for Cherie she can use public transport but were she to drive into the city and pay for petrol and pay for parking uh, then she probably wouldn't be worth going into the city 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So some of those costs, as you said, like your costs are hidden costs, but even those costs are marginal. Yeah. Now, as, as I said earlier, this, you're living in a home that you built, um, and you knew that you'd be a, an e-worker, a full-time telecommuter when you built it. Did you do anything special to, to plan for that home office environment when you built it? Absolutely. So because of the experience I'd had in the other homes in which I'd worked from a home office, I made sure that the home office in, in our home that we were designing was going to be in a separate room. So it's upstairs, as I said, away from the main living spaces and is in a separate room. It's a room that uh, doubles as a, a bedroom. So perhaps later when Lauren is a bit older, she might want to move her move to a bedroom upstairs and she can have the room that I currently use as a home office. And then there's uh, there's another room in the house that could be converted, uh, her old bedroom could be converted to a to a home office downstairs. So we've got that kind of flexibility in the way that we chose our rooms. Upstairs we also have a loo and bathroom, so they're, they're accessible to me when I'm working upstairs. And then we had structured cabling installed. That's uh, a wired network throughout the house. So we've got outlets throughout the house where we can plug into the net, into uh, the, uh, the the LAN, if you like, uh, so it can connect to the internet from anywhere within the house with a wired connection, as well as as with with Wi-Fi. Is there anything you missed? Anything that you'd do differently if you're redesigning it? Yeah, possibly I would have had higher bandwidth cable installed. Uh, so I've got what's called Cat5 um, category cable, which has a bandwidth of 100 megabits per second. And if I thought ahead, maybe I'd have gone for the next next specification up, which is Cat6, which is one gigabit per second. At the moment, that's not an issue because uh, the the bandwidth bottleneck is uh, is uh, my my internet connection, but for shunting traffic around the house, maybe in the future I'll be, you know, wanting to serve serve movies and that sort of thing to other parts of the house. That's not a work-related issue. That's more to do with um, our our digital lifestyle uh, and entertainment rather than my professional professional work. Right. And is that something that you could have anticipated at the time, or are you saying that now, if you're doing it now because it's better technology, you would now do it with the with the higher capacity cable? I suppose I, I suppose I could have, yeah. I could have anticipated it then. Right. It was, what, three or four years ago that we did the design. I'm a little bit surprised that the, the guy who did the system for us didn't suggest that, um, given that he probably could have charged me more for it. And, you know, that they were a, an organization who, as well as doing structured cabling, did things like home theater systems where shunting high definition video around from servers to different rooms in the house was, the way they made their their money, but he didn't suggest it, and it didn't occur to me at the time. It wasn't until later on when I started setting up those sorts of things for ourselves. I thought, well, maybe in the future we're going to have a bit of a bottleneck, but maybe not. Mm. It sounds like you've got a pretty good setup anyway. Even like, that seems to be a fairly minor thing. Oh yeah, that is absolutely. Is there anything that would make you consider going back to working at a desk or go, going and working back at somebody else's desk in somebody else's office? Going back to being what we call a desk jockey. No, nothing. <laughs> Do you want to, are you sure you don't want more time to think about that? <laughs> I've had 10 years to think about it, Kihan. <laughs> what about the other direction? Like, would you consider going to a more mobile office, like being, being more of a digital nomad? Yeah, so, definitely. Absolutely. It's, it's a, a tempting idea. When, Laura, when Sheree and I worked in the UK, uh, we really enjoyed the travel that we were able to do. It was a sort of a working holiday, and that's the kind of thing that's possible 
with uh, a digital nomad lifestyle. At this stage, it's it's not on the cards because Lauren's full-time student in primary school. So when she's a bit older, though, it would be uh, tempting to, to explore that digital nomad idea. There are possibly a couple of technical hurdles. I spoke, spoke about some of that specialist equipment that I've got, which are essentially servers that I need access to for my work. But... I'm sure if I were pressed, then I could find, uh, I could overcome those technical hurdles. But it's, it's still a way off before, um, before making that step, but certainly one that uh, I'd like to investigate in the future. Yeah, and if you're thinking about that a few years down the track, the, the technology may have improved to the level where you can do that. Exactly. I, I saw now you can, uh, there's, there are free VPN services that you can connect to when you're out and about as well. So, yeah, and, so, and paid for ones as well that are really cheap as well, Gihan. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So some of the things that you, that we used to think you could only do in an office, um, in a fixed office, or you could only do if you're part of a big organization, some of those are now very, very affordable to, to people who are being, who are either mobile or in smaller businesses. Uh, is there any other advice that you'd like to offer, Chris, before we finish up? Anything for people who are in your position perhaps considering moving to either part-time or full-time telecommuter and also wondering about how, how they'll be able to work from home with, with other people around? Yeah, I think the idea of being focused and, and minimising distractions is the most important lesson that I've learned over the years. And it's also when when I mention to people that I work from home, they say, I don't think I could do that. I think I'd, I'd be distracted too easily. And so I think making it easy for yourself is one way of overcoming that obstacle. So having a separate workspace for your home office really helps that because you're physically isolated. That helps to minimize distractions. And then gently educating the people who share your home with you that when you're at work, they're not to distract you also helps you overcome that problem. Then all that's left is, is your own discipline. You've, you've, you've done the best efforts in terms of isolating yourself from other people and, and physically in space. Then all you need to do is, is get down and, and do it. Yeah, and I think that given that this is still the minority rather than majority's way of working, the people who tend to do it are the ones who are fairly motivated and are willing to put in the discipline to, to prove that they can do it. And as you said, Chris, you started with a six-month trial. I'm sure that in that six months, you are very, very keen to make sure that you are as effective and productive as possible. I sure was, because the benefits have been far-reaching, and once you start enjoying those benefits, as I said, it's really, really hard to be tempted back to the old ways of working in an office and being a desk jockey. That's right, and now you can slack off, and there your boss doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Chris. Any last comments before we finish up? Any, any bits of advice that you might offer? Yeah, I, I think if you are, if, if, you're, if you're thinking of doing it, then... Try and take the plunge. Try and convince the people that you work with who, who can allow you to do it to, to give it a go on a trial basis. And once you make that first step, I think uh, it could be a long journey. Thank you, Chris. Very valuable advice and a very interesting conversation as usual. Cheers, Gihan. We'll talk again soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.focalpointpodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to our past episodes or leave us your comments or questions. We look forward to having you back next time.